1: That's ChumbaCasino.com.
0: No purchase necessary. BTW proof. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
1: Blog Talk Radio. Blog
0: Talk Radio. Live from Los Angeles the win-without-competing show with Dr. Arlene Barrow, host and creator of the Right Fit Method, the key to professional and personal success. Now, let's join Dr. Arlene. Thank you, Virgil.
1: In uncertain times, it is especially important to implement my Right Fit Method, which will enable you to win-without-competing in your career, and in your life. Today, I will focus on how to manage the process to achieve your professional and personal goals. Is email the right fit tool to do that? Shortly, you will find out. A Conversation, The Veil of Email, What is your email assumptions quotient? Are you hiding behind your email inbox and wondering why you are not achieving your professional and personal goals? To find out if you are consciously, unconsciously, or automatically using email to avoid speaking on the phone or face-to-face, Take my email assumptions quotient quiz. You will be amazed to learn how many erroneous assumptions you are making about the effectiveness of email. My guest co-host, Virgil Holder, Director of Corporate Recruitment at the prestigious Piedmont Healthcare System in Atlanta, Georgia, and I will have an eye-opening conversation With many eureka moments, which will change your perception of when to use or not to use email. The right fit method, the subject of my book, Win Without Competing, is the key to figuring out the right solutions, including emailing, in your professional and personal life. Welcome to Win Without Competing, Virgil. I am delighted that you are my co-host today.
0: It's wonderful to be here, Arlene, and this is a great subject. I'm looking forward to speaking about it with you.
1: Let's get to the heart of the matter quickly,
0: Virgil. Mm -hmm.
1: Listeners, are you hiding behind your email inbox? It's amazing how much time we spend emailing. The question is, are you engaging in busy work or are you productive? Let's find out. Please take a piece of paper and write down the numbers 1 to 10. Next to each number, write T if the statement is true and F if the statement is false. Question 1. Emailing your marriage proposal is a fast... Effective way of eliciting the response you want. Question 2. Emailing your resume from Burbank to Bombay will result in many job offers and perhaps a proposal. Question 3. Emailing should be used when you want to introduce yourself for personal or professional reasons to minimize rejection. Question 4 Emailing potential employers requesting interviews without sending your resume is highly effective. Question 5, emailing should be used to clarify a misunderstanding between employee and employer or between employees. Question 6, emailing friends and family from work to make social arrangements will save you time at home for other activities. Question seven, emailing and leaving a voicemail are basically the same thing, so you might as well email. Question eight, emailing should be used to resolve conflicts between your friends or among your friends, family, and strangers. Question nine, emailing should always be selected as the first choice of communication especially in professional situations question 10 emailing is an excellent tool for employers to use to fire employees because the message can be widely distributed quickly and employees would appreciate this approach, even though they don't like the message. I hope you're taking the test too, Virgil.
0: Yes, I am. Good.
1: good. good, good we'll, we'll find out shortly how you're doing. Yes. Question one: Emailing your marriage proposal is a fast, effective way. Of eliciting the response you want the answer is false think about it would you send a receipt a request for a receipt how do you know the person will even get the proposal moreover would you really want to receive a marriage proposal by email if the tables returned. I don't see much romance in it. Do you, Virgil? What do you think?
0: I think it's probably the coldest way anyone could do a marriage proposal. Yeah, <laughs> or I, wanted any- to, <laughs> yeah I wanted to
1: find out when you proposed to Amy, do you mind sharing that with us? I was eager to find this out.
0: Well, now, Again, Amy and I are a little bit different situation since we had known each other since we were children. So we had developed a long personal relationship even before we were friends and our families were friends before we ever even started dating. So I I, I have to say I did something I shouldn't have done, Arlene. Okay, Virgil, did, nobody's but, you know, listening. I didn't have Pretend you to help Nobody me
1: is listening. Just tell me what did you do with you I didn't you proposed? have
0: to, uh, I didn't have the right fit method back then. Well, you
1: didn't know I, me back then. I
0: did not know you back then. And I called her on the telephone and I proposed on the telephone. You must be kidding me. <laughs> on the telephone you
1: proposed?
0: Were you terrified
1: of her, Virgil? Why did you select the telephone?
0: I think I was afraid of rejection.
1: Well, that's honest.
0: And I think that's why with, e- with people that use email for things, I think email has become sort of a substitute for what people used the telephone for 20 years ago. Well, I, I mean, it, well, they were using the telephone inappropriately 20 years ago. Now they're inappropriately using the email. I agree. What they might have used the telephone for inappropriately before.
1: Well, let me ask you this. When you proposed by phone, did she, how did she respond?
0: Well, she didn't say yes right away, that's for sure.
1: (laughs) Well, I guess the woman must have been shocked. I mean, nobody expects a marriage proposal on the phone unless perhaps you're maybe, you know, in another country.
0: No, we Um, were in the same city.
1: That's what I mean. That's That's exactly, so what did she say? Did she say she had to think about it?
0: She said she had to think about it, but then we did actually meet face to face so maybe i could maybe if i'm if i'm going maybe I'll try to soften this historical event in my life and say that I proposed the idea on the telephone. How about that? and then we went into more details face to face but It sounds like a negotiation, Virgil. I tell you what, Arlene, this is the first time, and now with all these people listening too, that I've ever actually shared that story with anyone.
1: Well, of course, what's interesting. And you can
0: see why. (laughs)
1: I can see why. Well, you know what's interesting? When we had our chat the other day to talk about the show, I didn't think to ask you this question. And no, then you when didn't. I was pre- No, I know. When <laughs> I was preparing for the show today, I thought, I'm gonna ask Virgil and see how it all went.
0: Well I'm oh. an honest person, so <laughs> you'll get the truth out of me.
1: Well let me ask you this. Have you ever subsequently discussed it over the years? Did she ever ask why you use the telephone as a
0: vehicle? No, I think we're both sort of embarrassed about that event in our lives, and we have never discussed it.
1: Well, that's interesting. Isn't that interesting?
0: Yeah. This Very is the first time I've really talked about it.
1: Well, there's no
0: question. So, are, are you my therapist?
1: No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just having a good time with it because I had no idea that this is what happened. But I guess what's interesting is that you certainly can
0: appreciate that email is not the right approach. Um, no, and let me explain because I can, from true experience, <laughs> email is not the right approach, neither was the telephone. Because I can't go back, and my wife and I cannot go back and cherish the memory of our marriage proposal and i think the same thing would be today if someone proposed a marriage over the intern over the internet via email how can they in the future think of that as a beautiful moment in their relationship it was it wouldn't have been
1: no i agree with you entirely Well, I hope that I haven't disturbed
0: you, Virgil,
1: giving you this surprise question, which frankly, knowing you, um, and I know what a wonderful marriage you have with Amy, I was envisioning, not of course making an erroneous (laughs) assumption, because I certainly wouldn't do that, but I was expecting a beautiful romantic story with candlelight and flowers
0: here. Well, I could make up a really good one, but it wouldn't be true. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let me let you off the hook, and okay. let's go to question
1: two. <laughs> Emailing your resume from Burbank to Bombay will result in many job offers and perhaps a proposal.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Of well, course. I believe that has to be false also, Arlene.
1: Absolutely. Because, in essence, what's happened, Virgil, the person has basically jumped into a gigantic ocean. Who will find that person? I know at Piedmont you receive what? More than 6,000 emails.
0: Uh, well, actually, what... more than 6,000 applications. So okay. People apply for specific jobs that are posted and we receive over 6,000 that are actually specifying a particular job.
1: But then you also get unsolicited, right?
0: We do. We do. But what do you
1: do with the unsolicited? Um And the 6,000 is over what period of time?
0: In 1 month.
1: In 1 month. Mm-hmm. So I mean, look at what you receive annually
0: we oh, are talking
1: about 84,000, right?
0: Yes, yes, yes. Now, uh, if a resume arrives unsolicited, 90% of the time the resume just goes into oblivion. Because we, since we are dealing with so many resumes that are actually specifying an open position that, we have, that we're currently trying to fill, it's enough of a job just to manage those. <laughs> it's really beyond the ability of most most employment offices or recruitment offices to manage unsolicited resumes. That's why most companies now have policies that they officially don't consider an applicant or an application unless they've specified a particular position.
1: Okay, so let's say you're receiving annually between approximately... Seventy and eighty thousand mm-hmm. um, resumes. Um, are there any particular months where you're receiving more? Does it matter when? It what does, month oh, it, it is?
0: It does. It is a little bit seasonal. It tends to drop off a little bit, say from Thanksgiving through New Year's, because people are more interested in other things and they're deciding, oh well, I'll just wait till after the first of the year to apply.
1: Okay, all right.
0: But we did see, you know, when the economic problems uh, came to the fore uh, around the fall of last year, in particular, things got a little worse. Then we saw a great increase in applications because people were losing their jobs and then they were looking for jobs and they were desperate. Um, in particular, in healthcare, where healthcare used to always be such a stable. Employer, uh, with the economy economic situation of the past, say six to eight months, healthcare has been actually hit by that pretty hard, and very few hospitals are haven't suffered to some extent by it, by you know having fewer um, fewer patient visits, um, decreasing their their need for nurse recruiting. So nurses, actually, what I find mainly, which is kind of sad, because Nursing is such a glorious profession, but I find a lot of nurses now are looking for jobs.
1: Yeah, it's interesting you say that because in my firm, we get, you know, thousands of resumes as well. And I have identified many nurses, and I was surprised. Mm-hmm. Definitely surprised. I didn't expect
0: that. Nurses, um, Nurses used to be able to get hired. Period. They would just show up and they would get a job.
1: Yeah, you're saying that they, they didn't worry too much about the caliber, Virgil?
0: Actually, I don't think a lot of hospitals worried a lot about the caliber. I think they just needed nurses and they decided they would figure out how to train them and make sure they fit in after they got them. But one thing I think Piedmont has um, one positive thing. Piedmont because there has now been so many nurses to pick from, we've been we've been able to be much more choosy and we've actually established even service excellence goals, service excellence goals based upon hiring a higher caliber of person for all the positions in our health system.
1: So what's happening with the nurses that are coming out of school? Are you taking the The seasoned nurses, are you taking the new nurses, or you're not putting that in the equation and just selecting the right fits according to the skill set?
0: Well, um, the, the, the major hospitals in Atlanta all require, at least the ones I'm aware of, all require that the nurse have at least one to two years bedside experience before they hire them. become a bedside nurse in their hospital. So the new new graduates don't have that. Now, most of the hospitals had very well-developed residency programs, which they operated. They would bring in the nurse, the brand new graduate, and they would put them through a training program, which then meant they would be hired by that hospital. But the hospital's don't have as many jobs as they used to have they don't have as many openings for nurses because nurses are nurses who are working have become more stable because nurses tend to be an employment group that moves around a lot from hospital to hospital depending on if some other hospital offers a better shift or offers
1: right or, or extra more money oh yeah no, no I more mean, hour notorious. or and
0: they'll make a job.
1: Oh no, the nurses uh, are very.
0: Uh, they're very mobile.
1: Mobile. That's a lovely <laughs> word of putting, way of saying it. Yes, they're mobile, but well, they're not, not now. so
0: mobile now.
1: No, no, they're, because they're they don't have choices now. Yeah, no, I know. It's a difficult. It's a difficult time. Um, so it's also,
0: very difficult for the brand new graduates uh, there because there aren't enough residency slots or and thus then openings for a new graduate to work their way in to a hospital. There there aren't enough in Atlanta anymore for those that are graduating from the nursing schools.
1: So So you would agree that uh, emailing your resume from Burbank to Bombay, that it's highly unlikely it's going to result in a proposal then. Am I correct, Virgil? It's highly
0: unlikely because a person just needs to be very specific about the job they're marketing themselves for rather than expect the employer to figure out what job the person should fit into.
1: I know we've discussed that before, where you've had conversations where people have called you and asking you to basically figure that out. Where would they fit in into the hospital? And you had to explain that they were supposed to figure that out. Am I correct? That's
0: correct. Uh, I, I'm happy to serve at times as an employment counselor, but that's not what my real job is. So.
1: Yes, no, I know that. I think you're you're frankly an unusual um, senior h r executive to take your time to help
0: people. Well, I can give you an example today actually that happened today. I had a voicemail, not an email. I had a voicemail from a candidate. she was she spoke beautifully, and she said, I've gotten your name, Mr. Holder. And she didn't explain how she got my name and number, but she had it. She said, I have applied for the marketing coordinator position, and I just received my email from your applicant tracking system telling me that I was no longer being considered. And then she very succinctly said, May I ask that you call me and we talk before you make your final hiring decision? Oh my. And I thought, Well she could ask the question. She can ask. It doesn't
1: make any sense.
0: But she presented herself such that I thought, Well, you know, I wanna see what she has to say. So, <laughs> at least at least she said it in a gracious
1: way. It was I know you've gracious. had situations where they haven't been too too gracious. And I know oh. we talked yes. about you had to increase security around the HR department. Because of the belligerent nature of the candidates.
0: Yes, we. Uh, it's this candidate, again, I did speak with her, and we had a wonderful conversation. She wasn't right. She wasn't the best fit for the job, but, but we had a nice conversation, and I encouraged her to continue to think about us as a future employer. But I have other folks who I end up speaking to on the phone, and they want to argue with me about why they aren't being considered and I am very, very plainly can explain to them, I say, well, you know, the, the manager really needs someone with et cetera, et cetera type of experience, and you don't have that experience. And then they ask me this question. They say, well, how am I supposed to get it if you don't hire me? And then I just have to say, well, I'm sorry. I, I don't know how you're going to get it if you don't have it.
1: <laughs> well, they can't make you responsible for their career. That's ridiculous. That's right. But I do think... In defense of the candidates, um, because I love the candidates, yeah. um, that, and the fact that I spend so much time with candidates, whether it's coaching them or on a search, which also requires coaching them, that some are just so um, upset that they're not quite sure how to proceed Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that we talk about in terms of how to present yourself without appearing desperate. Because once you appear desperate, you've lost the game.
0: Yes, that's true.
1: Yeah. I mean, people don't want to hire desperate
0: people. You would agree, correct? I agree. And that's why the, the candidates who get the attention of a professional recruiter in a company are the candidates who clearly show on their application and in their customized resume that they know what job it is that they're applying for and they present why they are the right fit for that job. And a, a recruiter sees that immediately immediately.
1: What I think is wonderful about your institution is that you encourage your team to talk with candidates. Am I correct, Virgil? Oh
0: yes, certainly.
1: Because mm-hmm. that's not true of all um, organizations or healthcare systems.
0: Well, and it may be. Or
1: corporations.
0: That is, um, it may be a indicative of the place I work, and also may be indicative too of being in the sort of deep in the south, even though Atlanta is an enormous city, with, not as big as L.A., but Atlanta does have 5.6 million people, which is pretty big.
1: Oh, that's a large, oh,
0: absolutely big. And, um, but still it is a southern city, and it has a little bit more of a graciousness to it, maybe than some other parts of the country. And we want the candidate to have a pleasant experience, even if they aren't hired.
1: I think that attitude is commendable. It's outstanding. Mm -hmm. Maybe you should teach a class.
0: Well, you know, I I think that Piedmont is trying to set a standard in that area for service excellence and not only in treatment of employees but also treatment of patients. I think if um, one thing I noticed when I first came to Piedmont to interview was that if you're walking through the hospital Mm -hmm. across the campus, it's a pretty extensive campus with lots of buildings and hills and tunnels and passageways. And you can get confused pretty quickly about how to get where you're supposed to get. But as soon as an employee thinks that you look like you don't know where you're going, they, they ask you, can I help you? Can I help you get somewhere? Where, where are you, what are you trying to find? And then they take you there. Well, that's highly unusual. Because it happened to me on my very first day when I was trying to get from the garage to my office where I was going to the interview room where I was being interviewed. I had people just say, hey, can we help you? Where are you going? You've got so to I, encourage I, it's all... Unique about it. It's unique about the place, yes.
1: Well, I think you're going to end up encouraging all our listeners to, to, uh, to contact you, Virgil,
0: because okay. you it sound <laughs>
1: so lovely.
0: Well, they can apply online at pmycareers.org. Great. <laughs> Going further, question
1: three, emailing should be used when you want to introduce yourself for personal or professional reasons to minimize rejection. Well, it is true. It could, all, it would, could minimize rejection, but it could also result in no response because, again, um, email has anonymous quality to it. In rare instances, some people are able to present themselves so that you do see their personal brand. But interestingly enough, with respect to the professional side of this, the kinds of things that I'm reading are becoming, unfortunately, over-the-top and, in some instances, outlandish mm-hmm. because in the quest for, for separating themselves out, they're selecting strange things to do and to say. For example, why would you, at the top of your resume, say... That you would pay for total relocation. Why would you tell somebody that off the bat?
0: Hmm. That is. Um, that That's
1: is putting the cart before the horse. And it gives and, you nothing to negotiate. And
0: um, from the recruitment standpoint, I would feel uncomfortable sending that resume over to a manager because I'm afraid the manager would then think that that somehow was a selling point, that they should look more, because they may think, oh, well, if this person will will pay for their own relocation, then that means it won't hit my budget, and maybe I should look more seriously at them. But that's really, you know, that's not a job-related skill, knowledge, or ability, the ability to pay for your own relocation.
1: <laughs> well, and also to me, it, it um, gives me the feeling of desperation. When I saw this, uh, because our resumes come into different email inboxes, mm-hmm. and this one popped into my personal email box, I called the person up, Interestingly enough, Virgil, it was an HR professional who did that.
0: Oh, my goodness.
1: I thought that would throw you into shock. We don't all know
0: what we're doing.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, because I thought that this really will
0: harm his chances of people, you know, taking him seriously. You know, Arlene, I think that that person, if they had thought more carefully about how they were presenting that, because a lot of it is how do you present it. Instead of saying, instead of that person saying they would pay for total relocation,
1: at I the top, have said at that, the very top.
0: No, and that shouldn't have been at the top for sure. I think maybe in their cover letter, they could have said that they are planning a move to blah blah. Well, blah, that's blah. different.
1: That's definitely different. It's just like I was coaching a candidate. Was planning to be in a state nearby to an employer that has a position that really is the right fit for her. Mm -hmm. Well, in that situation, she's planning to be there this month, and that's fine. She can tell the employer she's going to be there, so it'll make it easier for them to talk with her And not think about the financial investment, giving our financial times. So that's another matter. Mm -hmm. Then you're just making yourself available, and she really is going to be in that area of the country. Mm -hmm. So that, I think, makes good sense. And on the personal side, especially, I think, too, that... If you're trying to develop a personal relationship, we've got two kinds of relationships going, and I think that quite often when candidates are searching, they forget you're trying to develop a relationship. And if people like you, they're going to be more apt to be of help to you than when they don't
0: like you. No. Well, and that is so true, because I had, that was the same experience I had with the lady today who left me that voicemail saying, would I please call her before I made my hiring decision? And it's the way she presented herself. And then when I did speak with her, she was such a charming person that what I found myself thinking was, I wish I had a job that was a good fit for her. Because you liked her. Because I think I would, I would love to hire her. You know, <laughs> she had the right personality. She, she does have the right personality. I just don't know. Her background is just not the right background for any job I've hired at the hospital since I've been there. So.
1: But. I think it's important whether you're focusing on your personal life. Or professional life. Mm-hmm. You need to establish relationships with people. Mm-hmm. By picking up the phone and introducing yourself, you start the relationship building.
0: I think the only time I've used email at the beginning of, relation, of a relationship and I don't maybe that's this is not the right way to do it either, so help me out here, but I have, <laughs> <laughs> I have used it only to in the work environment if I've been working with someone and had a good relationship with someone and now I need to include this other person in the project or in the relationship. I have emailed them and said, "Hey, I've enjoyed working with so and so." and we are now moving to the next step, and I have not had a chance to meet you yet. Uh, is there a time? And I, used, I have used the email to, to sort of help arrange a time for us to meet in person. Well,
1: well, I think that's a good example. But you knew that person.
0: Yes, yes.
1: Right. So. Well, if, at
0: least I was aware of them. It, it was someone in my own company.
1: Right. Did they know who you were? Do you know?
0: Um, yes. They they had heard of me. They had heard of me already, you
1: fine. Well that's another matter. That's not the kinds of things that are popping over the email Mm -hmm. where strangers are asking peculiar things via email. So your implementation of the email because it's a tool. Mm hmm. The voicemail is a tool. The email is a tool. These are tools. The question is, how do we use them? And as we continue talking, we'll get into that a little further. No, which you did made good sense. I think that's fine. Did you get a fast response when you did that? I did, immediate. Well, that's good. That's good. Well, you're also very good at uh, being very gracious in terms of creating an email. You mm-hmm. have a nice touch to it. You do put in your own personality to it so it doesn't sound um, anonymous. It doesn't sound like a boilerplate email.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think that's another thing that people have to think about. Are they sending out a boilerplate? Are they personalizing it? Are they making it too long? Are they making it too short? What are they doing to engage the person in a response?
0: I think the majority of people, Arlene, are extremely untalented when it comes to creating an email. I agree with that. No wonder no wonder they get themselves in trouble <laughs> from their emails.
1: Well, as we go further, we're going to talk about some of the troubles people mm-hmm. get into. Mm-hmm. Question four: Emailing potential employers requesting interviews without sending your resume is highly effective.
0: False. Mm-hmm. That definitely would be false.
1: Absolutely, definitely one. Employers don't want, uh, well, we talked about just sending the, the resume, period, okay, unsolicited, unless it's targeted to a position. But the right fit way of doing things is to basically call the employer, introduce yourself, and find out more about the opportunity so that, you can determine whether it is the right fit. In my book, Win Without Competing, I talk about that phone introduction with the goal of setting up a time to meet and then sending in your resume. Mm -hmm. When you do that, you can then tailor the resume to that particular
0: opportunity. I think I don't know what a lot of the employment offices do. I know that the employment offices that I've always worked in will respond to a telephone call when a person says, I'm calling to talk to some someone about one of your posted positions. Well, that's our job, is to talk to people about the jobs we have posted. <laughs> But so you know, a person can get in. A person will make their way through the telephone through the telephone wall, and they will talk to a person in my office if they approach it that way.
1: But you know what's interesting, though, Virgil? Um, some of my uh, clients have told me that when they've called HR departments across the country, they're frequently told that, the only thing they need to do is to send in their resume and that they will not provide any conversation or any more information.
0: Thankfully, I've never worked in one of those offices.
1: Yeah, that's why I'm (laughs) saying that um, you've been very fortunate that that hasn't been the posture uh, of... HR departments that you've run. Mm -hmm. Going further, question five, emailing should be used to clarify a misunderstanding between employee and employer or between employees. False. Think about it. If you start communicating, you basically are recording the exchange. If the exchange becomes heated and you say things that you don't want to say, then the employer has all that information. Do you really want to do that? Tell us some of your experiences, Virgil.
0: Well, in... All of the offices I've worked in in HR, I have had staff members that needed coaching on avoiding conflict with each other. Okay, you've had
1: it with the HR people avoiding conflict with each other, even within the HR
0: department. Yes.
1: Yeah. No, that's interesting. I'm sure our listeners want to hear
0: more, Virgil. Um, and so I and I tell you, even when I first went into HR, um. I had not been using email in a professional manner, and I hadn't been using it professionally. I'd been using it just for personal reasons. But once I was in HR, now all of a sudden all this communication was going back and forth, and people were sending me questions and people were sending me complaints via email and um, sometimes I, I I would get people would respond to my email and it would be in a very negative attack mode sort of way and so one thing that my boss back in those days taught me was never write an email if you're upset because it will always just make the matter worse and in the work environment i think that you know later we're going to talk more about the personal environment but right that certainly uh is true in the work environment because you're it can become escalated so quickly just just today again, everything happened today at work today, one <laughs> of the supervisory persons in my office had emailed one of the persons who reports to her. She emailed this person a question about a uh, a project the person was doing where they were they had several different email distribution lists where certain information updates had to go out regularly to these groups of people. And it wasn't clear that the person was sending the updated information out to all the groups because we were only getting copied on one of the groups that we were in. So someone said to the supervisor, well, is that person sending this message out to all the groups or only to the group that that we're seeing? And, of course, we didn't know what they were doing, so we had to ask the person... (laughs) And then the person, she asked her via email, and she sent her a nice little question with three or four little parts to it, and it was nicely worded. And the answer was, yes. (laughs) Yes? Well, I know personally, if I take a lot of time putting a question together in email, and someone responds with a one word answer yes, no, okay, I do that annoys me. Because I think, hey, I just described a whole picture to you, and all you want to do is give me one word.
1: <laughs> so what happened it, next?
0: Well, and then they started emailing back and forth. Then this one person emailed several more well-worded sentences and got another response, I have. <laughs> oh, so she, so the person well-worded. got more and more angry then, is that he what got you're more saying? More and more angry. And then then after this went back and forth three times, Then she sent me the email chain and said, see how she responds to me? (laughs) How lovely. So I don't, you know, what was going on there? I don't think the person doing the one-word answers was angry or mad. I think she thought she was answering the person's questions. The questions,
1: right. She didn't know that she should be
0: elaborating. But the person who was sending the long questions didn't take it that way, and I think that's an example of how dangerous email is because we interpret the email that comes from the other person. We, we attach emotions and feelings to the email.
1: Well, that's why we you're though talking they're not there. with somebody, yeah, you, you can then correct things very quickly. If you ask the question on the phone and the person answered you with a couple of words or one word, you'd say, Well, I really need some more information. Could you uh, expand upon that?
0: Well, and even if we look at this situation today, if the person had...
1: Had written back and said expand upon it?
0: Well, I'm thinking if they they work in adjoining offices, they didn't have to be sending emails back and forth. No,
1: why didn't they have a meeting and sit down and talk?
0: I I think that's an example where email becomes a veil that you just use to quickly get something taken care of. But you can't always take, I mean, often when you try to take care of something quickly with email, it causes other problems. I think if she had gotten up, walked to the lady's desk, asked her the well-worded question, and even if the lady said, yes, I have, she would have seen her face, she would have seen all of right. her, All of those um, other signs as to really what was her attitude. And if she said, yes, I have, then and if it wasn't clear, she said, so are you, do you mean you've sent the, the distribution list out to these three different groups. Yeah, I have. I really have. I've been doing it. I've been doing it all along. So, <laughs> <laughs> so
1: are you going to tell us how you're going to resolve this now?
0: Well, I didn't have a chance to speak with her tomorrow, uh, today, but tomorrow I can speak with the employee and and explain, and help her understand. You know, I... I we don't know, you know, we can assume that this is, I mean, I'll tell her, I said, I understand why you are irritated by it. Right. But that's why You're going why to suggest it that it the next at, time
1: she walk over to the person. Right.
0: And I think it goes back to what my boss had told me at my previous job. The first time you get a response to your email that incenses you, Never send another email. Either get up and go talk to the person if they're close enough to you, or pick up the phone and talk to them.
1: No, I agree. I think that's wonderful advice. Question six Emailing friends and family from work to make social arrangements will save you time at home for other activities. That may be true. However, you may be full time at home because your employer may fire you.
0: Yeah. Not the right way to do that.
1: Absolutely not. Work is, work, not. is the work. Well, not only that, in some companies, they have departments that observe your whole email behavior.
0: I'm yes, not going to ask
1: whether they have such a department at St. Jude, because I'm sure it's confidential, Virgil, and we don't want you fired. No.
0: Um, I haven't. I actually I have not worked for an employer yet who is as strict as some employers are, um, because I've always worked either in the academic, well, in academic health care, and now I'm in a traditional hospital. But still um, hospitals tend to be a bit more liberal, about the way they interact with their employees. But at the same time, um, there are still policies about the use of the Internet, and even though every person is not being tracked all the time, they are tracked at intervals. So the Internet Security Office um, at times does scan what people are doing.
1: Well, that makes sense. They're paying you for your time. They're not paying you to email your family and friends. Right.
0: And really, I think everyone needs to have respect for their employer. And in that sense, when we're at work, we really need to be working. And I mean, there are always examples
1: of serious or an extenuating
0: circumstance, and your employer would always understand that.
1: Oh, sure. I mean, you have an emergency with your family, absolutely. But if you're shopping on eBay... Um, I don't think that's what the employer is going to think, that that's a dire emergency, even though you may consider it a dire emergency.
0: (laughs) You may really need that right away. Absolutely.
1: (laughs) Question seven. Emailing and leaving a voicemail are basically the same thing. So you might as well email. False. There's a significant difference between emailing and leaving a voicemail on a voicemail people can hear whether you express yourself well they can hear the tone of your voice they can sense whether you're an upbeat personality whether you have personality a voicemail is an extremely important tool to use your thoughts Virgil
0: I would agree Uh, again I suppose if, if, if the world was filled with people who could write beautiful emails, we might be in a different world, but it is so easy for the email to not accomplish what you think you're trying to accomplish, and it's certainly not going to build a relationship. No question. So even For example, with the lady today who left me the voicemail, and then later I called her, if she had emailed me, What I likely would have done was simply email her back and thank her for applying and encourage her to continue to go to apply on our website and look for jobs that she feels are a good fit and apply for them.
1: So that you never would have given her a second thought. It's only because she left the voicemail that you gave her a second thought.
0: That's right. It's because of the way she presented herself on that voicemail. I thought, well, I'm going to call her back. Now, I do find, you know, I have some, sometimes vendors leave me voicemails. I have found, I don't know, if you run across this, Arlene, sometimes vendors leave voicemails now, and they try to, they simply say, hello, this is Bob Jones, call me at blah, 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 blah.
1: Yeah, I know. I don't know what that's all about.
0: I had one that was so rude in the way she would say it, and I would just, you know, erase that voicemail. Then she'd call me again the next day. Hello, this is so-and-so at blah, blah, blah. Call me. This is my number. I have something important for you. I really did, or, they'd, or she'd say, I really need to talk to you. And no, then I, I thought, well, is this a vendor or is it not a vendor? Maybe it's, a, maybe it's one of my customers that's upset, and she doesn't know how to tell me that. So well, I did finally call this person because they kept leaving me these annoying voicemails. And she was just as annoying when I called her as she was in the voicemail.
1: But she wasn't, she wasn't an inside person, right? No,
0: she was a salesperson trying to sell yeah. a product. And, and I said, you know, I did call you because I wanted to let you know that I don't ever want you to leave me a voicemail again because you annoy me.
1: You know, it's interesting. I did that with somebody who literally must have left me 20 of these voicemails. Mm. somebody who was trying to get me to hire her to promote me on uh, radio shows. Ah. She didn't know that I had my own radio show. Mm-hmm. And I called back, and I left a message, because she never picked up, telling her she should never call me again.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But you know what happened? She then called again.
0: So did this person. You're kidding. So she she then called told... me numerous. I've actually called her back a second time. I did, too. Said, Don't call me again. I have told you, you are really getting on my nerves, and I'm never going to work with your company. Oh, well, I have a lot of people to call. I'm sorry. And then a few, week, a few days later, I get another voicemail from her. This is so-and-so for blah, blah, blah. Call me. <laughs> no,
1: I, I think they're unconscious. <laughs> you know, they're truly unconscious. It's like, it's just a rote response. Here's the list. You're going to keep calling till somebody says yes. Mm-hmm. Well, that doesn't make any sense.
0: I do keep, I remember you mentioned when we were talking once before that that some, um, that, that you actually have even encouraged some of your clients that if they're trying to talk to someone at one of the companies, to not leave a voicemail, at That's correct. to That's try to right. get the person. And I think Absolutely. that is a good thing. That's a good thing. Yeah. But sometimes, I really,
1: yeah, I don't want them to leave voicemails unless they have no alternative because voicemails become annoying. You can't keep leaving, you know, 3, 4, 5, 6, 8, 10 voicemails. That's not good. No,
0: but some salespeople are doing that now.
1: I know. So I keep,
0: I keep seeing on my caller ID, Phoenix, Arizona keeps calling me. Well, and it's, it's a, a call of desperation. <laughs>
1: that's what and it I, is. A
0: couple times a day, I'll look, the phone's ringing, and it's Phoenix, Arizona calling again. <laughs>
1: no, because they don't know. They just don't know that they keep calling the same thing. It's you know, it's when you are receiving, let's say, an emailed newsletter. You can unsubscribe. But you know, we've unsubscribed and we've also then received it again. Did you have that situation? Which I can't understand. There are some organizations that we've unsubscribed to several times till oh. they finally stopped.
0: So, so they, won't, they won't let go of you.
1: No, they won't get let go of Barrow Global Search, what can <laughs> I say? They're determined to hold on to us uh, for dear life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Question eight, mm-hmm. emailing should be used to resolve conflicts between your friends, family, and strangers. I don't think emails are going to help to resolve conflicts as we were busy discussing here. It escalates the situation. I and think I- yeah. And I know you were telling me a situation that your son had where he started uh using email. Can you share that story Virgil
0: well and i i you know what we've said before about in the in in the work environment where employees with employees or employees with employers that's bad enough but it's it gets even worse when we're talking about people that we actually do know personally, right <laughs> especially family members right um what I've seen happen, um, family members that actually are very, very close and really, really think a lot of each other, but of course, you know, if you've been in a family for many years, there's always, you know, there's always all sorts of things you remember about your past relationship in your family. (laughs) And, you know, when you're talking face-to-face, you're able to keep yourself in balance with regard to what the positive things are about the family relationship. But what I've seen happen is there was an incident where um, one family member said something to another one at a at a party, and my son wasn't even at the party. But um, later, he heard that what this person had said to the other family member, and my son decided he was taking the side of the family member that had been mistreated by the other family member. And so then my son and this other family member it was my wife's brother my son began telling him what he thought in the in an email (laughs) and it just really got awful between the two of them and these are two people who grew up together and really care about each other but i think the fact that it was done in email is what made it escalate to the extent that it did
1: Did he tell you he was doing this, or you didn't realize that he was doing this until it was too late and the escalation had occurred? Because I know you told me it took a long time for them to get back together to restore the relationship.
0: And now everything is fine between them, but, I mean, it did hurt the relationship for a while, for a period of time. I didn't realize it was going on until several email exchanges had occurred. And uh, and then I did strongly encourage my son to simply don't send another email. <laughs> I don't care what he says to you in an email. Don't send another email.
1: <laughs> right, because it will get to a point where they just won't talk to each other again.
0: And then the, the what's said becomes more well it's escalate escalated is a mild word to describe what can happen
1: <laughs> no, I agree with you, no, no, I know it can really it really destroy relationships, yeah,
0: yeah, things can be said that people will never forgive or forget, and it would it would have been said in an email and that's sad to think that that would happen, but if feelings get uh feelings sort of become get out of control and People say things. You know, it's easy to type a few words in an email because the person's not in front of you. Well, that's
1: true, and you don't see their facial expressions or their body language.
0: Mm-hmm. And it, and I think when, in a personal relationship, when there's a problem, an email is being used to try to solve the problem. What happens is one email goes out, and the other person is angry. And so they try, They subconsciously try to send something that's more hurting to the one who just sent it. And then they, then that person tries to do the same thing.
1: So it becomes a competition.
0: <laughs> it does. It almost become. It does. It becomes a competition to see how how mean can I be? Okay, you sent me something. I can be meaner than that. Oh, oh, now you sent me this. Oh, I can be meaner than that. <laughs> <laughs> Question but if they not. were talking face-to-face, they, wouldn't be, they would never be saying those things to of
1: each other. Of course not. <laughs> Emailing
0: so, to be should, careful.
1: should always be selected as the first choice of communication, especially in professional situations. False.
0: Mm. I
1: think we've discussed it so that our audience knows that we don't think that this is the first choice of communication.
0: Certainly not the first choice. I think once a relationship is built well with someone.
1: Well, that's another matter. Then you're. Then I mean, you email, just...
0: like you said, email is a tool.
1: It's a tool. Question 10. Emailing is an excellent tool for employers to use to fire employees because the message can be widely distributed quickly, and employees would appreciate this approach even though they don't like a message now if you were to downsize some people which i think you have done am i correct virgil in your mm-hmm. career you have downsized people yeah yes. okay yes. tell us the procedure that you use and you recommend because clearly i know you're not going to send out a massive email blast
0: no no um First, the, the, the decisions as to if, 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 for example, let's say a company has, and I've worked in companies where maybe uh, there's a particular, let's say we have a job called clinical partner, which is sort of like a patient care assistant. And because of the business need, we may find that if we have 50 clinical partners, we need to reduce that, that clinical partner force by seven people. So first, a very fair, ethical, methodical review is done of all 50 to determine which would be the ones that would really be appropriate if we have to reduce them. And they look at longevity and um, performance issues and things like that to try to choose what is the most fair way. And they may even pick some people that they think, wow, we are glad we're picking them because we really want them to go away. (laughs) But at the same time, they have to be treated with respect. Each person has to be spoken to individually and have a, and they, they're explained by their boss and by a representative from HR, the two, usually two people together, their boss, their direct supervisor, and an HR representative together talk to the person and help them understand that we're sorry, but because of the business situation and the business need, we're making reductions, and the decision has been made that they are one that will be reduced. And so then we ask them for what are your questions? What can we help you with? And, and uh, here's the name of a recruiter in the office who can work with you to help you apply for other jobs at this, in the system, and help you make your resume up, and help you help coach you through the process of looking for a job. But it's certainly not done via email. It's done in person and as kindly as possible.
1: If you marked all the statements true, you're an email addict. <laughs> you need re- rehabilitation. If you marked all the statements false, congratulations. Call me. I would like to speak to you. My direct line is 310-441-5305. That's 310 310- 4415305 Every time you send an email you give the power to someone else It's up to that person to decide if they want to respond If they don't respond you don't know why If you're speaking with someone either by phone or in person you have the opportunity to read the other person, ask questions, and manage the process. To, to achieve defined objectives, you must be able to take charge. In my world, that's managing the process. Step out from behind your veil of email and pick up the phone and pitch your brand. You want to be seen You want to be heard. You do not want to be invisible. Virgil?
0: Yes.
1: It was a pleasure having you today as my co-host.
0: Oh, I've really enjoyed it. We've got a great conversation.
1: And I hope that my listeners have really benefited from today's show. To listen to more... Win Without Competing Shows, I recommend my top 10 2009 shows. They are listed on the winwithoutcompeting.com site on the talk show host page under Author. Note that these shows are listed in order of appearance, they are not ranked. While you're on the WIN site, I suggest visiting the homepage and signing up for my professional and personal newsletters to learn more about how to implement my right fit method. I would love to hear from my listeners. Please email D-R-B-A-R-R-O, that's Dr. Barrow, at Win. Withoutcompeting.com, or call 310-441-5305 If you are living in Southern California, I invite you to attend my keynote address, Brand Your Brand, at a luncheon on Monday, March 8th, commemorating International Women's Day. To learn more, Visit the Beverly Hills Greater Los Angeles Association of Realtors. The event is featured on the homepage. Their website address is b like in boy or b like in barrow dot com. That's b h g Even if you are not a realtor, you can register to attend. Brand Your Brand will be an important presentation. To learn more about the Right Fit Method, my book, Win Without Competing, and me as a professional speaker, visit winwithoutcompeting.com. For information about professional mentoring and personal mentoring, visit drbarrow.com. That's drbarrow.com. And for executive search services, barrowglobal.com. That's B-A-R-R-O-G-L-O-B-A-L.com. Remember this trigger tip. Walk down the right fit road and you will find professional success and personal happiness. Thank you for listening to my Win Without Competing show. Goodbye for now. This is Dr. Arlene.